Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Tonight on The Readout. Let's dance because we deserve it. But tomorrow we go back down into the valley to do the work. I don't want any of you to stop dreaming. I don't want any of you to stop believing in America. I want you to believe in America and continue to believe in the Constitution and believe in our elected officials most of all. The triumph of Senator Raphael Warnock narrowly defeating his unqualified Trump-backed opponent. But will Republicans actually do any soul-searching after another defeat for Team Trump? I think you know the answer. Also tonight, democracy was on the ballot in the midterms. Now it's on the it's on the line in the Supreme Court, with conservative justices possibly set to give state legislatures the power to overturn the will of the voters. And shades of January 6th in Germany, where dozens of people are under arrest, charged with plotting to overthrow the democratically elected government. But we begin tonight with a reminder of what Georgia voters rejected on Tuesday. So I've been telling this little story about this bull out in the field with six cows and three of them are pregnant. So, you know, you got something going on. I don't know if you know vampires and cool people, are they not? But I'm going to tell you something that I found out. A werewolf can kill a vampire. Did you know that? I never knew that. So I didn't want to be a vampire anymore. I want to be a werewolf. This election is more than Herschel Walker. This election is about the people. Why are they bringing pronouns in our military? Pronouns? What the heck is a pronoun? Well, Georgia and America averted that disaster last night and instead made history, sending Democrat Raphael Warnock back to the Senate, giving Georgia's first black senator, only the 11th black senator in American history, a full six-year term. Choosing a candidate with competence, Georgians smacked down the ignorance and cynicism of Republicans' decision to stand by Walker, who they now freely admit was a disaster. One Republican told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, quote, Herschel was like a plane crash into a train wreck that rolled into a dumpster fire and an orphanage and then an animal shelter. You kind of had to watch it squinting through one eye between your fingers, unquote. Now, of course, it is a huge blow to the former guy as yet another of his hand-picked candidates went down in flames. And while Republicans are licking their wounds, Democrats are planning for the future. With a critical edge, an outright 51-seat Senate majority with huge implications, giving Democrats more leeway on votes. It means relying less on Vice President Kamala Harris to break ties and breaks the stranglehold of conservative Democrats Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. It also means more power over Senate committees, allowing for things like faster confirmations of judicial nominees. And that is a big boost for President Biden who called to congratulate Senator Warnock, saying Georgia voters stood up for our democracy, rejected ultra-MAGAism, and most importantly, sent a good man back to the Senate. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the new majority is a sign of relief, a sigh of relief for Democrats. They say all good things come to those who wait, and this outcome is absolutely worth the wait. The people of Georgia are better off. The 
Democratic Senate caucus is better off, and America is better off because he ran and won. Schumer was on hand later to welcome the newly reelected Senator Warnock to the Capitol today. As Senator Warnock proclaimed that Georgia had done it again, because it's not just a win for Senator Warnock. It's a victory for the Georgia voters who waited in long lines, combating Republican attempts to make it harder to vote. It's also a victory for organizers like Latasha Brown of Black Voters Matter and Ense Ufat of the New Georgia Project, who worked tirelessly in the face of voter suppression to get Georgians registered and to the polls. And by the way, it's a victory for Stacey Abrams, who didn't make it to the mountaintop in her race for governor, but whose work since 2014 on the ground registering voters for voters of color and young voters laid the groundwork, showing Democrats that they can win in Georgia. But importantly, Senator Warnock's win is a victory for black Americans, quite frankly, who can definitely avoid the humiliation of enduring six years of Herschel Walker's incompetence in the Senate after being trotted out by Republicans as a cynical insult. As Charles Blow writes in the New York Times, the best that could be hoped for was a black person who was willing to fall in line and vote with the party. Walker had proven that he would do that. He would be a willing puppet for their ventriloquism. And he came dangerously close to winning. This will remain a stain on the Republican Party. Joining me now is Don Calloway. Democratic strategist and founder of the National Voter Protection Action Fund, and Tom Bonnier, Democratic political strategist and CEO of Target Smartener. We love a numbers guy. So thank you guys for being here. Don, I do want to start with you. I just want to start. You know, Herschel Walker was only one of several Trump candidates who went down in flames. I'll just read you the list. Herschel Walker, Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, Mark Fincham, Tudor Dixon in Michigan, Christina Caramo, Doug Mastriano, who's woo, Mehmet Oz, Adam Laxalt, Don Balduk, Diane Cox, Tim Mitchell, Michaels, Lee Zeldin in New York, Darren Bailey, Derek Schmidt, Jeff Deal, Scott Jensen, Tim Crockett, Lee Ortley. I mean, all of his candidates went down. The only one who actually managed to get through was J.D. Vance, who is sort of an embarrassing, sort of less interesting Ted Cruz. Uh, but he was really Peter Thiel's candidate. But let's talk about Herschel for just a moment. Because Herschel really was kind of a ventriloquist dummy. Um, For somebody like Lindsey Graham, who I just want to play for you. I hope we have it. This is a cut one. This was Lindsey Graham's case for electing Herschel Walker. Here it is. He changes the entire narrative of the left. We're a party of racists, Sean. Me and you're a racist. The Republican Party's racist. Well, what happens when the Republican Party elects and nominates Herschel Walker, an African-American black Heisman uh, Trophy winner, right? Olympian. It destroys the whole narrative. They're scared to death of Herschel Walker because if Herschel Walker becomes a Republican, maybe every other young child in America of color might want to be a Republican. Nothing about that case, Don, was about the state of Georgia or about Herschel Walker's ability to be a senator. It was all about him being essentially a ventriloquist dummy for people like Lindsey Graham who want to say, I'm not racist. Look at this black guy. And yeah, I control him. So he'll just do what I say. I'm just going to let you talk about that because I think the insult was to black people, but it was to black men very particularly. Yeah. And, you know, I think that people smarter than I, including you last week, have been building this narrative over the course of the last week. And it's absolutely correct. This is a incredibly racist and insulting choice by the Republican Party who decided that they could pick any black man off the fence with name recognition and that would be sufficient enough. That is how much they respect black people. But I'm not asking for the modern day Republican Party or political apparatus to respect black people. 
But they should recognize something very important, which I think that they don't. MAGAism is not only racist, but it's anti-intellectual. It's bad policy and it's bad strategy, and it results in losses. Yes, it did give us a very dark political period of seven years, but ultimately people don't like that stuff, black or white, because not even good white folks, who some of them might even be Republican, that's a joke, not even they want to be represented by these deeply unqualified, fundamentally bad people who have no business around the discussions that consider American leadership. So it's just dumb policy, uh, in addition to being really fundamentally racist. And I'm glad that you put him in the context of that other island of misfit toys at the beginning, all of whom lost, because it's important to recognize that they're not moving away from MAGAism. You don't see Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan doing the rounds on all the networks because their party has fundamentally now decoupled itself from these heinous policy values. You see it because you're starting to see cracks in the political apparatus of MAGA. All of the words coming out of Mar-a-Lago suggest that, you know, it's cattywampus there. That's a kind word. And there's, you know, we're really at the beginning of the end of MAGA as a political powerhouse. That's the reason they're moving away. That's the reason why you'll see the Jeff Duncans and Glenn Youngkins. But be not fooled. These people have the same really fundamentally oppressive political and priority policies. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Tom, I just want you because the thing is, I think I'm going to let everybody become a political uh, p pundit around your, your dinner table. Let me just give you the dirty little secret. The reality is it's just a math. Politics is just a math game. Right. Um, I'm not teaching Don Calloway anything. He doesn't already know. It's a math game. Sixty percent of six and ten white voters are Republicans. Um, eight in ten yep. non-white voters are Democrats. Nine in ten black voters are Democrats. Seven in ten Asian American and six and 10 Hispanics. That's just reality. And so the game, the name of the game in politics is, can you take that 60% of white voters and make it 58? You make it 58, all of a sudden you get Barack Obama to be president. You just have to, you can't peel off all white voters. You can only peel off, but if you get 2%, that's it. That's because you're getting, if you're a Democrat, you're getting 80% of the non-white voters. Okay. That is, so talk to me about this Republican strategy, because they want to now rethink their whole policy and strategy is meant to be directed at white voters. It's not directed at black voters. So what they said to them in that list I read to you is that you want show business, you want election denial, you want, you know, Dr. Oz was the showbiz piece, but you also can't vote early. You can't vote absentee. We're taking away all these other things. We're going to suppress those non-white people and focus on you, white voters, and this is what you want. Talk about that as a strategy, just numerically, while they're also getting rid of the right to choose. The Republican Party has been a strategic disaster, certainly since Trump came along. But if we think back to 10 years ago, after they lost the presidential election in 2012, their postmortem said and acknowledged that they are going to be a minority party if they cannot broaden their appeal beyond uh, white working class voters. And then they didn't follow their own advice. They nominated Donald Trump. They went in the wrong direction. You mentioned early voting. It's probably the biggest strategic blunder a party could make. And we saw after the November general election, Republicans acknowledging this and saying that Democrats beat us. And you see that in Georgia. You see that black voters turned out in the early vote and really delivered this election. Republicans acknowledged that, but they had a month to try to at least do a little bit better in Georgia. But what happened, they actually did worse. Democrats were a larger share, despite Governor Kemp's SB 202 voter suppression bill that shortened this period. We see those yep. long lines. That was voter suppression in action. 
But despite yep. all of that, they actually yeah, adding up. They're making strategic blunder after strategic blunder. And I'm going to just to double that. Oh, this is cut four for my uh, wonderful director. This is the shift in the margin in the general election versus the runoff. OK, I'm making everybody here is going to be a political pundit when this is over. They, look at this chart. This is from the New York Times. They did the data and this is buried in their data. Um, my good friend, um, great Georgia named Teresa Tomlinson sent me this this morning, who used to be a mayor of, of Columbus, Georgia. So she's pointing out she knows what she's talking about. Look at that bottom of that thing. Tom Bonner, I want you to look at this. That's the rural part of Georgia, that lower right hand side. That is the shift from the general to the runoff. In the rural parts where Walker won, the vote still shifted toward Warnock. It shifted toward blue, right? The upper part of Georgia still went toward red. But that means, Tom Bonnier, that Warnock, and we heard her, uh, we heard our great Steve Kornacki talking about this in each region after region. He was doing marginally better Warnock in rural Georgia. What does that say? for long-term strategy for Republicans? Because let's just be clear, rural Georgia ain't all white. There are a lot of black folks out there too. Yeah, that's right. And certainly, you know, we should acknowledge that the turnout in the black belt and a lot of those rural African-American counties also was stellar. And Senator Warnock did better in those communities. But to your point, it it shows the, the problem in this Republican strategy and that the notion was maybe they can mobilize enough of their voters. It's a pure mobilization strategy and, frankly, a voter suppression strategy on the other side. And we see, yeah. as you note, even in those rural Republican counties, they weren't coming out for Herschel Walker. They were not excited about him. When you took Kemp off the ballot, uh, at least enough of those voters were staying home, whereas Senator Warnock was running an incredible campaign and appealing to voters across the state. And it shows in those maps. Yeah. And, and to come back to you, Don, getting rid of mail-in voting as an option. So basically, Democrats have three bites at the apple. They have mail, they have early, and they have same day. Republicans only have one. They only have same day. So that was dumb. And, and then you had like even like the killer mics of the world who were like soft when it was Stacey Abrams, you know, but came back when it was <laughs> Warnock. Just talk a little bit about the strategy that, it, it, that made it close still, but let Warnock through. You know, one day uh, when we have a family discussion outside of everybody's ears, we'll talk about taking Atlanta political leadership to task because we saw some differences in their support of Stacey Abrams than what we saw of, uh, of Raphael Warnock. Now, I don't live there. I'm not going to take them to task right now, but we got some explainer to do and there's some conversations that need to be had. I'm going to leave it right there at that. Um, and one thing we talked about, and your producer's telling me to wrap, but when we talk about how to flip that 60% to 58%, Raphael Warnock at the beginning of his speech last night said, to God be the glory for the things God has done. That tells even good and decent Georgians of any race that this is about people who are of goodwill, good feeling, and that there is no longer a monopoly on Christianity for in the political right. context. For but Democrats talk to Christian voters. They talk to Asian Americans in language ads. They talk to Latinos within language and also ads in English. They talk to everybody. I'm telling you, Republicans, you're just going to talk to white working class people. You're just going to keep losing. Even if it's narrow, a win is a win and a loss is a loss. You're going to learn something. You learn or you're going to feel it. Uh, Don Calloway and Tom Bonnier. We try to help you all out. Up next, conservative justices on the Supreme Court could give the green light to Republicans to smash the foundations of democracy in this country. The readout continues after this.
Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Since conservative justices took over the Supreme Court majority in 2020, they have, they have displayed an insatiable appetite for upending precedent. Today, three of those six conservative justices, Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, and Clarence Thomas, seemed sympathetic to upending more than 230 years of precedent. The case before them was Moore v. Harper, which hinges on an entirely made-up doctrine, thank you, Chief Justice Rehnquist, called the Independent State Legislator th Legislature Theory. The once fringe but now popular theory argues that the federal constitution gives state legislatures total and unchecked authority over federal elections in their state. Former Judge Michael Ludig, the guy who had to tell Mike Pence that he could not steal an election for Trump, is co-counsel to Neil Katyal, who argued against the theory this morning before the Supreme Court. Ludig called this case the most significant case in the history of our nation for American democracy, and here is why. It would, in theory, allow the state legislatures to appoint electoral slates who would vote for uh, a president, a presidential candidate who did not win the popular vote in, in the states and transmit those votes to uh, Congress to be counted on, on January 6th in exactly the same way that Donald Trump and his supporters attempted to do in 2020. Despite this warning, Justice Alito, the self-anointed judicial activist for aggrieved conservatives, welcomed the sweeping and expansive view of this made-up theory. There's been a lot of talk about the impact of this decision on democracy. Do you think that it furthers democracy to transfer the political controversy about districting from the legislature to elected Supreme Courts where the candidates are permitted by state law to campaign on the issue of districting? The three justices appointed by Democrats were having none of it. It seems that every answer you give is to get you what you want, but it makes little sense. What I don't understand is how you can cut the state constitution out of the equation when it is giving the state legislature the authority to exercise le legislative power. This is a proposal that gets rid of the normal checks and balances on the way um, big <coughs> governmental decisions are made in this country. And, and you might think that it gets rid of all those checks and balances at exactly the time when they are needed most. Joining me now is Democratic Governor Roy Cooper of North Carolina. Governor Cooper, thank you for being here. Uh, I want to give folks a little, a little 
uh, a little bit of the concept of where you're dealing with in your state, just a little context. Your state of North Carolina is the state that in 2016 passed voting laws that were said by the, the an appellate court to target African-Americans with almost surgical precision. That was your state where they got rid of college ID, got rid of same day registration, all sorts of other things to make it harder to vote. They also tried to strip you uh, because you as a Democrat were elected governor of your actual powers and to neuter the office of governor simply because it was held by a Democrat. So that's who they are. Are you concerned that the Supreme Court, or how worried are you that the Supreme Court is oh. about to give that legislature total power over choosing the presidential slates uh, or choosing the electoral slates in 2024. They want to manipulate the voting laws for partisan gain. Uh, this independent legislature theory uses the Donald Trump formula. If you don't like the result, just rip off the piece of the Constitution that you don't like. They engaged in extreme partisan gerrymandering. The state Supreme Court said it was outside the bounds of the state Constitution. This case says we're going to rip off the part of the state constitution that has to do with checks and balances. We alone get to decide the voting laws and rules when it comes to federal elections. No state Supreme Court oversight. No gubernatorial veto. We control it. And you mentioned, Joy, some of the things that they've done in the past to try to manipulate elections. A strict voter ID law that wouldn't even allow you to use a UNC college ID, uh, elimination of same-day voter registration during early voting, cutting the amount of early voting, no provisional ballots for voters who come into the wrong precinct, one thing after the other, uh, drawing judicial, uh, excuse me, electoral districts so that it ended up being 10 to 3 Republican over Democratic in a fairly even state, and they said that the reason that was the case is because they couldn't find a way to make it 11 to 2. These are the people that you would be giving total control over the voting laws in federal elections. And it's essentially would allow state legislatures across the country to rip off their state constitutions when it comes to checks and balances just eliminating their Supreme Courts, eliminating their governors from the process. And however you want to look at it in, in either lane, uh, it, it's absolutely wrong. And I hope the court does the right thing here. You know, your state is interesting because it, this is a state that Barack Obama, Senator, then Senator Barack Obama, won in 2008 by 14,000 votes, and he barely lost it in 2012 by 90,000 votes. But it's a state that's got a very extremist legislature. It used to have a majority Democratic Supreme Court. Sherry Beasley, who just ran for United States Senator and narrowly lost, she was the Supreme Court Chief Justice. And now it is a 5-2 Republican court. And you have just had a major power outage because apparently someone who was, you know, upset about a drag show, you know, shot up your electric grid. Um, what is the state of ex Republican extremism in North Carolina? And is it because North Carolina is changing and can elect Democrats statewide? Is that what they're afraid of? Well, first, judges shouldn't even have to run in partisan races anyway. And this is one of the things that they changed. They changed the law, making these judicial races partisan again. And they're the ones who have to rule on these voting laws. So that that puts an, an, an air of uh, favoritism over the whole process. 
uh, with the power outage here, we do not know the cause of this yet. We do not know who did it. We do not know the motive. But I do know that there has been a rise in hate speech and threats and violence against the LGBTQ community, not only in North Carolina, but across the country. And that's unacceptable in and of itself. We're glad in Moore County that the power is back on now. We've got to be more vigilant about protecting our electric grid across the country. I talked to Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas today about making sure that our uh, these transformers and substations aren't vulnerable to attacks. And we need to harden that yeah. critical infrastructure for sure. It is a sign of change and resistance to change in every way. And North Carolina is one of those states that is teetering on the brink of modernity. Uh, and the election of a Democratic uh, governor yourself uh, is one of the signs of it. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper, thank you for your time, sir. Really appreciate you being here. We're going to uh, keep working, up. Joy. That's true. All right. Thank you very much. Please come back soon. Um, all right. Coming up, there is no end in sight to Trump's long running legal nightmare as the bad news builds towards what's shaping up to be a really loud wake up call for the Donald. We'll be right back. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. to believe it's been just three weeks since Donald Trump announced he was making another run at the White House. And I can't imagine a worse rollout. You have that freakish dinner with the man formerly known as Kanye West and white nationalist Dick Fuentes, whose views Trump will not denounce because, you know, there was special counsel named by the DOJ to oversee various Trump-related criminal investigations. That special counsel is already hard at work subpoenaing local officials in key 2020 swing states for their communications with Trump. And then yesterday, the corporation bearing his surname was convicted on 17 counts in a tax fraud scheme spanning more than a decade. While Trump himself was not charged in connection with that case, despite evidence presented at trial showing that he knew about some of the scheming, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg says his work is not done. But the work continues. The work never stops. Uh, and we, we we're going to continue to do that. And there may be, um, I don't know, I don't want to get ahead of the facts, but there may be other moments when we can you know, report out publicly. In fact, I've committed to doing that when we reach uh, a conclusion, whether that's by indictment or some other uh, way of closing the investigation. With regard to Mr. Trump? With regard to Mr. Trump. And just in time for the holidays, the January 6th committee is expected to release its final report the week before Christmas, according to what two sources are telling NBC News. With me now, Mary Trump, Donald Trump's niece and host of the Mary Trump Show podcast, which I've had the pleasure of being a guest on. Uh, Mary Trump, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I want to I want to go back 
to the the thing to me that is the most jeopardy and is the most glaring crime, uh, alleged crime by um, your Uncle Donald, um, and it is taking those classified documents. More of them were found. <laughs> According to the Washington Post, at least two items marked classified were found at a federally run storage site in West Palm Beach. Trump lawyers hired an outside firm to search also his Bedminster Golf Club and Trump Tower. So there's more classified documents. What do you make of that? Um, and do you think that they will find the things even at Trump Tower? Does he does he just have classified documents everywhere, everywhere he lives? Well, Joy, uh, first of all, I can't believe it's only been three weeks. It feels like three years. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Uh, but you're right. Uh, this is absolutely the most uh, serious crime of the many alleged crimes. And I think at this point, we should rule nothing out. Uh, there is no reason to think all of the documents were found. And remember, they weren't handed over. They had to be removed by the FBI because they had a legally obtained search warrant. So uh, it, I think it, it there's every reason to expect that we'll find other documents elsewhere. And now another question is why were they on, in an offsite storage area? I'm pretty sure there's plenty of room in some of Donald's other properties, unless he's run out Do of you... room because they're full of doc <laughs> other documents. I might've asked you this before, but do you have some speculation as to what he wanted with these documents? I think that there are a couple of different reasons that can all be true at the same time. Uh, clearly, he likes to hang on to things. He thinks they belong to him. It's sort of a way of establishing his street cred, uh, if you will. But Donald doesn't do anything without a financial motive. Uh, so I think it's it's also very likely that he had these documents and remember they're very some of them were quite specifically about foreign powers and yeah what was going on there uh that he he had them for leverage and or financial gain Let, let's talk about the other the, the i mean the other obviously major alleged crime here would be the insurrection um and now you do have jack smith this uh this really aggressive counsel how much fear do you think there is in the in Trump land about that? Well, first of all, one of the biggest problems is that when you're going through the list of crimes earlier, alleged crimes earlier, I completely forgotten about the insurrection. And that's what happens. The, 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 everything gets crowded out because more keeps getting piled on. And you're right. I think, uh, I think the insurrection is very possibly tied with the stealing of the top uh, secret classified documents. I think that, that the appointment of Jack Smith is, is definitely sending fear down the spines of people in Donald's inner circle, I, to which I think he's immune, honestly, um, because he's always been so protected. I, you know, the narrative after the midterms was he's the biggest loser. And my response to that is in what way? In what way? Right. He's a free man. He's still he's still raking in tens of millions of dollars from the people he's grifting off of. He's still at the top of the Republican Party. So in what way is Donald Trump losing at this point? Right. And even the, you know, Alvin Bragg, that that prosecution was successful, but he's going to pay the company's going to pay a fine. <laughs> no one's going to jail. I mean, I guess too. Weisselberg will go to jail for a few months, but, you know. 
Yeah, there, there are no consequences. There continue to be no consequences. So I think it's a mistake uh, to think that that we've passed the point of no return for him. Uh, we never have to date. <laughs> so um, I, I think we, we need to see how all these things play out and hope that there is a critical mass, which does seem to be happening. But I, yeah. I probably had something similar two years ago. Yeah, I mean he'll he'll be on the mass singer and and the people will act like all is forgiven. You know, we'll see what happens. Mary Trump, it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Really appreciate you being here. Cheers. And up next, German authorities arrest dozens, get this, dozens of far-right extremists for allegedly plotting to overthrow the government. Now, why does that sound so darn familiar? No, wait, don't tell me, don't tell me. I've almost got it. Hmm. Not to let you tell us what tactics that you are comfortable with to hold us enslaved. You don't have none of us under control. That was our reach. It felt like a victory, but you knew that you won a case not change the system. That was the one and only Reverend Al Sharpton reflecting on a speech that he made in 1987 after three white teenagers were convicted of manslaughter for chasing a young black man, Michael Griffith, to his death in Queens. Reverend Al Sharpton's efforts to advocate for justice in the Griffith case was just one example in his storied career of fighting for civil rights and against racism and police brutality in America. That career is depicted in the new documentary, Loudmouth, premiering in theaters across the country on Friday. And joining me now is my big brother, the Reverend Al Sharpton, president of the National Action Network and host of MSNBC's Politics Nation every weekend right here on this network. Uh, Rev, it's always good to see you. Um, you know, I remember, because this is how I knew of you um, as a, a teenager back then, and the Michael Griffith case was the first in many, many, many cases that you had to deal with. I want to play another clip. This is a piece from George Floyd's funeral a generation later. What happened to Floyd happens every day in this country, in education, in health services, and in every area of American life. It's time for us to stand up in George's forget you're a pastor. You're not just an activist. You do church <laughs> when you do church. But I mean, do, Rev, I've asked you this probably privately before, but do you ever get discouraged by the fact that you're still having this fight from Michael Griffith to George Floyd? Well, in, at one level, it can discourage you. But I think my faith is what bolsters me and gives me strength that at the end, I believe that right will overpower wrong. When I started, I became youth director of the New York chapter of Operation Breadbasket. I was 13. And uh, when I started, it was unimaginable we'd see a black president. And I lived to see that. And I lived to see uh, from working on Shirley Chisholm's campaign for President 72, we have a black woman vice president. So that's some levels of victory. But the system, the systemic change is what we must continue to fight for. We have 
58 members of the Black Caucus now in Congress. We have three black senators, one just reelected. But now how do we make law and how do we change legislation? We've done some in some areas. We have an Eric Garner anti-choke law in New York State. We have racial profiling laws, many of which uh, our movements have made come to being. But we still have to deal with the root cause that is systemic in our society and how government executes. And that's why I'm still fighting. And when I think about Dr. King and Rosa Parks and others, they boycotted the buses in 55. They didn't get a voting rights bill until 65. They didn't get a, a civil rights act till 64. So this is about long distance runners. This is not about one tweet. This is not about uh, one march. This is about a continuation of the struggle. And that's what this uh, whole documentary is about, is about yeah. things have changed in some ways and have not changed in others, and that I've been able to keep fighting. And I'm representative of a lot of people that have maintained the fight. Even if we're not going to see all of the fruits of our labor, we will be able to say we made our contribution and we call, answered our call to duty. And, you know, and you talked about, you talk about Dr. King and Shirley Chisholm. You kind of are a bridge between them. I mean, yourself and Reverend Jackson, who came out of that Kingian movement, you guys also entered politics, which is something Dr. King didn't do and didn't have an interest in necessarily doing. You ran for president. You ran for mayor. You got involved in the process. And you've also convened with presidents. And so I wonder, I want to talk to you a little bit about the about politics. You did enter it for a time. Um, when you look at somebody like a, a, a Reverend Warnock, who, like you, is a pastor, and his sort of dignified presence. And then you look at a Herschel Walker who's presented on the other side. What do you think about that dynamic? I think the same way I thought when they ran an Allen Keys against Barack mm. Obama for the U.S. Senate. And uh, Obama won and uh, went on from the Senate to becoming president. You can't separate quality from just somebody put there in a less than uh, effective and cerebral manner. Uh, it was an insult uh, for the Republicans, prompted by Donald Trump, to put any black with a celebrity name against someone who had already shown in two years they could be and, and effectively be a U.S. senator. And, and these are distractions. That's why I went back to Alan Keyes. We must look at the historic pattern and not be surprised when they use the same tactics over and over again. And those of us that have been in the uh, protest movement, whether it was when I was younger or now, because I've gone from Howard Beach to George Floyd to Ahmed Aubrey, we're still out here. We've got yeah. to understand our lane, our role, which sets a climate for people like Warnock and Eric Adams and, and, uh, and Karen Bass to do what they do inside by raising the temperature outside, but keeping it within the means of doing it in a nonviolent, constructive way, but a dramatic way that keeps the focus of the nation on the inequities that still exist. Uh, the documentary is called Loudmouth is in theaters on Friday. I'm excited to see it because I feel like I know so much about you, uh, Big Brother Rev, but I'm, I want to watch it and get all the subtleties and the details. Uh, well, you you got to watch it because you're in it. At one oh. March uh, in 2000, about two years ago, uh, yep. I was getting ready to speak at a march and uh, rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they told me you should not go on stage. It's in the documentary. 
there's threats that they're going to shoot you. And I said, I'm going anywhere. And they said, wait a minute. And I stopped and I did this show uh, <laughs> remote from uh, from uh, 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 a vehicle. So uh, it's remember. a lot in there. People, people need to see it because you'll see people in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, New York, and in Queens where Donald yeah. Trump grew up. And you'd understand Donald Trump if you see the kind of blatant racism we had to face in the 80s, being called the N-word, yeah. watermelon strong. I was stabbed. Oh, yeah. All of that is in this documentary. People need to see it. A- Amen to that. Amen to that. Cannot wait to watch it. Uh, Rev, Reverend Al Sharpton, thank you very much, my friend. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, and thank you. We'll be right back. Now to some breaking news. An extremist plot to violently overthrow the government was foiled in an early morning raid. No, not here in the U.S. this time. This time in Germany, where 25 people have been arrested in the potential far-right coup. Officials say members of the unnamed terrorist group were motivated by a range of far-right conspiracy theories, including QAnon. German prosecutors say the group was found was founded no later than November 2021 and was in the process of planning an armed insurrection in order to install its own government. The group is closely associated with a German conspiracy group known as Citizens of the Reich, which rejects the legitimacy of the German state. Joining me now is Katya Hoyer, columnist for The Washington Post and author of Beyond the Wall. Um, thank you for being here, Ms. Hoyer. Tell me who this group is. How serious was this plot? Well, I think it was quite serious because for the first time, really, they had connections to the German army and uh, and police and therefore access to weaponry, to organized um, kind of people who knew what to do with the weapons. It's, it's easy to forget that in Germany, it's quite difficult to get hold of uh, firearms if you're a normal citizen. And so this is a new dimension really to a movement that's existed for some time. But that's what makes it quite dangerous. And the thing is, you know, I think people forget that QAnon really is an international cult. It's not just in the United States. This insurrection attempt sounded a lot like January 6th. Are there connections to the U.S.? There are indeed. I mean, the, the German cell of QAnon is is one of the biggest outside of the U.S. And, and there's indeed a connection there in that, uh, you know, the U.S. military bases that are in Germany because of the Second World War. Uh, are sort of seen by these groups as the places where these conspiracies happen, where the the supposed pedophile rings are set up that that QAnon people believe in um, on German soil. And so they too believe in the idea that Donald Trump is a a sort of messiah figure that will free Germany from that um, and kind of buy into some of the same conspiracies uh, that you have in the U.S. You know, it's interesting because I think people do forget that the the Nazis in nineteen in the nineteen thirties were inspired by American Southern Jim Crow. So there's always been a connectivity between our extremists. This is what you wrote in your latest piece in the Washington Post. Too many German voters are gravitating to the political extremes. It's high time that the political mainstream in Germany took note of the scale of disaffection. Are we seeing fascism return to Germany? It's a frightening idea. I think it's more born out of an out of a fear of the state almost. You see that on the far right and the far left in Germany, in the sense that you know people, especially since COVID, um, have, have bought into all of these conspiracy theories that basically claim that the state's all too powerful and, and is controlling people's lives on a day to day basis. And this is something that so many people across the extreme ends of the spectrum can can buy into, whether on the far right or the far left. 
And, and I think it's interesting you mentioned COVID because I feel like that was part of the one of the factors that ramped up extremism here in this country, too. But we're seeing this all over the world. Peru, uh, the president has been ousted after moving to dissolve Congress. Pedro Castillo announced the move just before Congress voted to impeach him. You've got corruption and this sort of rolling fascist sort of vibe and conspiracy theories. How, how systemic is this and how global? Um, I think certainly within Germany, it's uh, it, it was really boosted by COVID. So so this idea that suddenly the state would take over and, and ordinary people need to sort of rise to arms is is something that spread quite significantly, particularly in areas that are economically struggling. And and because of that, now the inflation and, and kind of a worldwide you know economic problems are kind of piling up on top of the the things caused by the by the pandemic i think it's a perfect storm of factors that will make a lot of people feel that they need to look for kind of extreme politics and and particularly on the right where um you know certain charismatic leaders sort of stand ready to to harness that yeah, I feel like this is a global phenomenon. Uh, thankfully, in Germany, as you said, it's not as easy to get your hands on a firearm. Um, so this country is unique in the sense that our lethal- lethality of it is much higher, but it's scary everywhere. Katja Hoyer, thank you very much uh, for filling us in on that really frightening, frightening development in Germany. And that is tonight's readout, everybody. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.